and welcome to Lifeline. My name is Sage Bree. I'm excited that we get to join each other again on another beautiful day. The weather's pretty nice outside, actually. I was thinking about going outside to the park and filming later. But regardless, I'm grateful that we're here now. Before we jump into today's topic, let's go ahead and let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, God. We give you honor. Thank you for who you are. God, we pray and we thank you that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our conversation, God, as you so desire, Holy Spirit, we invite you in. We welcome you. Lord, we have cleared the way so you can have as much space and as much time as you want. We love you. Thank you for my friend, God. Thank you for the bread that you're giving us for our soul, for our body, for our mind, for our spirit. God, you're just so good. Thank you for providing. Holy Spirit, we repent of the sins that we've committed knowingly and unknowingly. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you said that mercy triumphs over judgment. God, we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, we thank you that you do not lead us into temptation, but you deliver us from evil because you're trustworthy, because you're safe, because you're good. We love you. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all, I want to remind us of the vision for Lifeline because I believe that it really ties into our topic today. So as you know, our vision here at Lifeline is to walk alongside our brothers and sisters, teaching and encouraging them in the ways of Jesus Christ so they can go do the same. That's why we're here. And what do you need while you learn? Well, you need grace because you're learning, right? And I think that's something that is sometimes overlooked or maybe not as often appreciated as I personally believe that it should be. Because how can you ever get good at something unless you make a mistake? How can you ever learn unless you fail, right? I know we've talked about failure before. So, man, maybe y'all can hear Callie. She's holding it down. She's a real serious guard dog. But I want to jump in. We have couple of anchor verses really it's in the same chapter but I'm gonna go ahead and share it I already have them marked out for us Romans chapter 6 and just to give a little backstory before we jump in Paul who was an apostle who used to be a Pharisee who went out persecuting Christians like he went on to say like he would go out of his way to make their lives miserable he would collect their lives if you will And he was there when the first martyr was taking place with Stephen. I believe that was Acts chapter 6. And he just goes on to talk about how God just really changed his life. Because he has the ability to be top tier at whatever he does. And we can go on that in a little bit more detail later. So Rome was his final destination. And much like the movie, that was the place where his life concluded. 
And he's writing to a culture, he's writing to a society that is very egocentric. He's writing to a people who are very polytheistic. They believe in multiple gods. They believe in borderline hedonism, right? There's parts and different sects of the Roman culture that were very hedonistic, but as a whole, Paul dealt with the Greco-Roman area, era, thank you, right? So you have the Greeks and the Romans coinciding and living together, but if you were a Roman citizen, you were top tier, like you were the 1%, you could not be touched. And this even goes on in topic throughout the book of Acts. My point being, Paul is writing to this church in Rome, which is how we get the name Romans. And he's discussing theology with them because they believe that you can do all these different things and be fine. That Jesus is just another way to eternal salvation with Yahweh. They're even struggling with the concept of separating what is physical with what is spiritual, what is flesh, carnal, with what is of God. And so that's what the book of Romans is really walking them through. It's it's a very theologically dense letter. So with that, we're going to pull from there because I think it gives us a really good insight on what grace is actually for. Because sometimes we go, man, well... God's going to forgive me anyway, then screw it, dude. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll do that. Or, well, I'm not even deserving of God's grace. So, man, I just just really can't mess up. Like, I have to be perfect. So, let's go ahead and let's jump in. Romans chapter 6. Also, before we dive in, let's go ahead and let's get a working definition of what grace is. According to the Strong's... I'm reading it here. Strong's Dictionary. The word for grace that is used in this context is kairos. And it means favor. So, let's go ahead. Let's jump in. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through... Verses 1 through 2. And then we're going to jump over to Romans 6, 15. Through 17. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's start reading. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So I'm going to encourage y'all on your own time. Continue reading. Read Romans chapter 5, because it's all just one train of thought, right? He breaks it up in different sections, but it's like, man, so what what are we going to say? Should we just continue to sin so that, you know, God's grace can really work in our life? He's like, no. How can someone who died to sin still live in it? How can someone who no longer is in that lifestyle continue to be in that lifestyle? And it's just verse three says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized to Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Wow. I'm going to keep reading verse four. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Okay, I'm going to pause it. I just want to highlight baptism is way more than just an outward expression of an inward decision. 
It's literally right here. It's a prophetic act. You're literally dying to yourself and being resurrected again in the spirit. It's so much deeper. Um, We can talk about that another time. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That's so good. All right, we're going to jump over to 15. Actually, let's jump over at 14. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. That in itself is a whole nother topic. Sin exists because of the law. And we can get into all these different theological debates. We're just going to supersede that right now and continue on. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. We're under God's favor. Especially those who are not of Jewish heritage. Verse 15, this is what we want to touch on. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Like, absolutely not. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, resulting in death, or of obedience, resulting in righteousness? Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, being disciples. Wow. Verse 18, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Okay, okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you were presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, he goes members as in your body, to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. So now present your body as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Wow, that's a good, that's a good Bible word, sanctification. Let's go ahead and let's look that up together. 38. Thank you, God. Y'all, this is so, this is, this is good. Okay. Hagiosmos. To sanctify, translated into holiness, separation unto God. Justification. The state of being sanctified. Sanctification not as a process, but as the result of a process. Sanctification is just a process of being made holy, which is separate, set apart, just like God. That's what he says. He says, be holy as I am holy. Be set apart as I am set apart. Sanctification is that process. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So what's the point of grace? Grace is the freedom to live. Grace is the freedom to live. 
And as we continue to internalize that, I believe that it's going to free you from a lot of the different things that we've been struggling with. I believe that it's going to free you from a lot of the pain that you've been going through. It's grace. Yo, I'm gonna check something real quick. I wanna I wanna make sure something's working. Check. Okay. Thank God I had to check the microphone real quick. I wasn't sure if it was picking up the sound. But yeah, grace is the freedom to live. And so as we continue to internalize that, do we have grace so we can just keep on sinning, keep on doing the thing that hurts the one that we love? No. But instead, we have that grace so we can keep growing in the sanctification process. So we can internalize, why did I make that decision opposed to this one? That's what grace is for. Even as Paul talks about in verse 15, hey, when you give yourself as a slave, you're obedient to whatever master you serve. So before we gave ourselves over to lawlessness, to impurity, to the ways of this world, we gave our loyalty, our obedience, we gave it to Satan. We did. How do we know? Because when we gave our life to Christ, he freed us from this earth. So we could have a relationship with him now and in eternity. So when we enter into this marriage covenant with Yahweh, when we give our life to him and we say, God, I'm going to submit myself to you and I'm going to follow everything that you tell me to do. I now become a slave to righteousness. And we've talked about this before, right? When we talked about the fruit of the spirit. There's laws for everything that our flesh, our carnal nature desires to do. I can't just go out and hurt somebody. I can't just go out and steal. I can't just go out and be high out of my mind. I can't just go out and have all this kind of sex without these consequences. There's laws for them. I can't just go in my car and speed. Although we may do it, it's still a sin. It's disobedience. But it's so small, right? What does it matter? But it's highlighting these different things. When we live in the spirit, there's no law against these things. Why? Because it's true freedom. True freedom is a life with healthy boundaries. And grace allows you to explore how free you really are. Without the danger of hurting yourself. That's freedom. That's grace. So as we continue to walk alongside with one another, why are, why are we even walking together? It's so we can go through the process of sanctification together. Because y'all, it's hard. My gosh, it is hard. That's why it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it is better for two people traveling on a journey for if one falls, the other can pick him up. How can one keep warm on his own? We need two people. And the beauty about that is wherever two touch and agree, God is in the midst. 
I forget what the address of that verse is. But then it even goes on to talk about that in the same section of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Three-strand cord is not easily broken. So this is the beauty of God with the grace that he's given us. Because as you're stepping in to a new season of life, as you're stepping out of an old one, and perhaps as you're walking through the transition, we need grace. But more importantly, we need to understand the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is to show us what true freedom looks like. It reminds me of that song. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. That's a good song. That's a good song. And as we're thinking about these different modes of behavior, let's hold on and really envision, God, what does it mean to be a slave to righteousness? Because personally, as a black man in America, when I think of slave, I think of getting beat. I think of getting ripped apart from my family. I think of everything I hate doing, I have to do it. Let's talk culture. Okay? Because yes, that is the American connotation of slavery. Slavery here. In fact, I'm going to read it for you as we continue to explain. But slavery here has a completely different note. So some of it, yes. um, But majority of it, no. And what I mean by that is simply saying people would sell themselves into slavery simply to pay off a debt. And then they were free. You didn't have to do that if you didn't want to. Another kind word that we used here in American society is an indentured servant. That's essentially what this is, but it's talking about here. Verse 14, sin shall not be a master over you, for you're not under the law. So sin was our master in the previous life. Before we gave our life to Christ, sin told us what to do. No, be angry. Okay, I'll be angry. No, steal that. You want it. Okay, I'll steal that. No, dishonor and and disrespect them. Okay. But now that we have a new master, which is the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, we no longer have to listen to our old slave master, sin. Instead, we listen to the Holy Spirit instructing us in the way of grace. Grace is not something that you earn or don't earn. That's not what it is. Perhaps that's how we have envisioned it as a certain kind of commodity or some type of currency. But I want to share to you that grace is a culture. It's impossible to earn a culture. But you can create one. You can walk into one. You can perpetuate. And that's the beauty of grace. Grace is a culture. It's not currency. You can't earn it. It just exists. So as we look here in Romans 15, what then shall we say? Shall we keep sinning because we're not under the law? Because even Paul goes, everything's permissible. 
but not everything's beneficial. Then he goes on to say, just because I can do this, if it causes someone else that's looking up to me and following me to sin, then why would I do it? Just because I can do it doesn't mean that they feel good about it. And so for their sake, I'm just not going to do it. That's grace. Right? So maybe this is even changing the way that you yourself have viewed grace. It's challenged the way that I viewed it. Because I used to think God gave me grace because, ah, man, okay, try again. Okay, try again. Okay, try again. But rather what God is showing me is God is sitting in heaven excited being like, dude, try again. Wow, that was close. Try that again. You're right here. Try that again. And it reminds me back when I was younger and I was at the skate parks. Skate culture, in my opinion, really, skate culture, BMX culture, even scooter culture, rollerblade culture, to me, they are one of the most grace-filled communities. And this is why I say that. Because we will sit there and watch somebody attempt a single trick 200 times. And each time we'll tell them, you got it. Who does that? (laughs) I remember I was at Alliance Skate Park in Grand Prairie a few years ago. And I was trying to do a kickflip over the bench. Like we come off this ramp. And then we'd ride up on another one. And there was at the end of the ramp, there was a picnic bench. And try to kickflip it. We were there for an hour. And people kept on encouraging. No, dude, you're right there. Oh, yeah, man, just tweak this, tweak that. That's grace. Literally, when I think about that, it's like, I can try as many times as I want. And these people aren't getting mad at me telling me to move. Now, granted, there was a line to try the park bench. And I still had to be mindful of other people skating. It wasn't just my world and people were just in it. But grace allowed me to work into the system that already existed so I could get that trick. And I did. And when I think about that, when I think about the Lord, how he changed me, how he saved me, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. That's not Maverick City. That's an old school hymn. It reminds me of God being like, dude, you're right there. It's not something that you earn because then that means it can just get taken away. But rather, that's the culture. Grace is the culture where you can mess up and people encourage you to try again. And I believe it has been the satanic lie. That grace is transactional because that means you're going to eventually max out. You're eventually going to hit a limit. But that's demonic. And we speak to that lie and we tell you to shut up in Jesus name. Rather now we speak the truth and we tell you, we tell your spirit, your mind, your heart, your emotions. You can mess up. And we will encourage you. 
You can mess up and God will empower you. It's the real deal. That's the beauty of grace. So with that, I want to commission y'all. Because sometimes these are just conversations, but this time I really do feel in my spirit to give you guys something to do. When it comes to grace, I want you to get a notepad, maybe just even on your phone. In three ways, how can you experience grace as a culture versus a transaction? Okay, I'll repeat that again. How can we experience grace as a culture instead of a transaction? What that simply means is saying, well, how can I view this as a cultural setting versus here's grace, don't mess up again, right? For the second one, how can I perpetuate the culture of grace to someone around me? How can I perpetuate the culture of grace to someone around me? Because the same way that we need grace, those that are around us need grace. The same way that people cheered for me for an hour, attempting the same trick, messing up hundreds of times. But they never wavered in the way that they cheered me on is the same way that I did that for other people. So, now that you're being encouraged, how can you encourage someone else? And the third one, this one is one of my personal favorites. I do this pretty often. Look in the mirror. Say your name. I love you. Like, I'm going to turn to the mirror. Sage. I love you. You're worthy of the culture of grace. Do that. Three times a week. It will change your life. I'm so proud of y'all. I know this was a shorter conversation, but I believe, I believe that God helped us with everything we needed. Before we go, Allow me to pray for you. God, thank you for my friend. I love them. Thank you so much, God, that you love them more than I do. God, thank you for blessing them to live in the culture of grace. Thank you that grace is not transactional. Thank you that grace is not contingent on how many times they mess up, but instead, it's a lifestyle that they live. Thank you for the favor that you bless them with. That as they continue to go about their endeavors, whether they're entering a new season, whether they're leaving an old one, or whether they're in the in-between. Thank you. Bless them and their family, them and their loved ones. Guide them with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all, I love you. I'm proud of you. I encourage you, really take hold of those action steps and apply them today how can you apply these things today thank you guys for checking out the patreon as well been working on a couple of vlogs for y'all 
working on some more music to put out there for you guys. I appreciate y'all. I also have been enjoying the different conversations that we've been able to have in person, like face to face. You guys are encouraging. You guys are very wise. Sometimes you guys will say things and I'm like, I have literally never thought of that in my life. And it gives me something to think about. I love y'all. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Till next time. Peace.